So I, I don't know if, you, if, if y'all heard, but uh, I, I, I went to the University of Georgia. I was here from 2008 to 2012, so go dogs. <laughs> so I, I have so many different wonderful memories um, of my time here. Um, football, of course. Uh, but I think my most favorite memory um, there in Sanford Stadium was actually during graduation. I snuck a football, and I'm by no, by no means condoning any of this, um, but I snuck a football underneath my graduation robe. And then so I can say, along with Matt Stafford, all pro NFL quarterback, him and I have both thrown a touchdown pass on, in Sanford Stadium. <laughs> um, so I have really fond memories of that. Um, I, I studied business. Any, any Terry people here? Okay, a couple. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, MIS? MIS? Okay, right on, right on. Um, yeah, I managed information systems. And uh, so right after college, I went into seminary. So I was there for six years, got ordained a priest, went back for another year, and I've been at St. Bridget um, Catholic Church up in Johns Creek. Where are my St. Bridget people at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got a few of them here. Um, yeah, and so I think probably my, though my fondest memories um, were here in this, in this chapel. It hasn't changed much, but it's changed uh, a little bit. Um, but, uh, so I'm talking uh, about prayer, uh, specifically intercessory prayer. It's a dangerous business, praying. Um, do you all know Lord of the Rings? Okay, well, there's a scene where the two protagonists, they're, they're, they're embarking upon their journey, they're leaving home, and one of them stops walking at a certain point. And the one in Frodo turns to, to Sam and says, hey, wh- why aren't you walking anymore? And he says, if I take one more step, this is going to be the farthest I've ever gone from home. And then Frodo says, hey, do you remember what my uncle used to say to us? It's a dangerous business getting out of bed in the morning. If you don't keep your feet, there's no telling where you'll be swept off to. It's a very similar thing with prayer. Prayer has a lot of power. And I'm going to say, be careful what you pray for. Right? We have that uh, phrase, be careful what you wish for. Well, be careful what you pray for. So it's 2009, 2010. I was sitting right somewhere over here. And... Um, so I was a sophomore in, in college um, here, and I remember coming to the conclusion, I, I just had a conversion experience a few months before, and I started to get in my faith, and it turns out that God is a lot smarter than me. So I had a prayer over there, and I said, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Right here I am on track to make, you know, an automatic six figures being an, an, an MIS major. Um, like, what do you want me to do with my life? Right here are all my goals, here's what I want. And the first thing that popped into my head was, priesthood. <laughs> so be careful what you pray for, right? And so like, so from that time, uh, sophomore year, um, it's, it's been a really wonderful journey. Um, but again, my memories um, start here in terms of developing that prayer life um, in, in all sorts of different ways. But without further ado, let's go ahead and open up in <laughs> prayer. So this is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. I have revealed your name to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So, loving Father, thank you for speaking each and every one of our names to your son, Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for lovingly receiving them and bringing them back to the Father. I ask for your blessing upon each and every one of these uh, students gathered here, upon Father Brian, that they may know your love, that they may come to see that you see what's on their heart, the burden, 
the joy, the hope. And so in a special way, I ask for your blessing upon them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as I mentioned, um, well, first of all, actually, sorry, I, I kind of forgot this at the beginning, but thank you for Pippo, for Sarah, uh, for Father Fred, for Father Brian, for Luke. Um, thank you all for, for having me. It's, again, it's so wonderful to be here with you all. So as I mentioned, um, we're going to talk about intercessory prayer, but before we get into that, just kind of go over prayer just um, in general. Um, when you look in the catechism, in, in the index, <laughs> it actually gets super complicated because there's a lot of different aspects, a lot of different um, types, a lot of different modes, a lot of different definitions of what prayer is, um, a lot of different forms. I'm all about keeping things simple, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go with more of the route of, of Therese of Lisieux. Um, so ultimately, like at the core of it, praying is a returning back to our relationship with God, is a returning back to our relationship with God. Because even before we're baptized, right, grace is already at work within each and every one of us. God is already in relationship with us. And so what prayer is, is, is a tapping back into that relationship. I like to use the, uh, the image of the transfiguration, right? There's this really wonderful, extraordinary moment, and it happens just like that. I'm sure some of you all have had that experience in prayer. But does it mean that God's power, God's glory, God's manifestation is any less present in our life, even if we can't see it? No, because we go on with life, and sometimes we get distracted, sometimes the routine of things uh, blind us to the goodness of God, but it's still present, and so prayer is a return back to it. And it is an actual action, right? Sometimes y'all will kneel down, sometimes y'all will just sit and contemplate God. Um, I remember Father Brian on Instagram, um, he posted a, uh, like, what is prayer? And a lot of y'all had really wonderful things to say about it, again, just talking about the, the, the nuances of it. Um, but it's, so it's an action, right? It's a thing that you sit down or kneel down and do. But it's also an adverb, right? We can do things prayerfully. And so JP2 was big on this. He, he, he saw that the veil between the heavenly and the earthly realm was so incredibly thin. So whenever we do something prayerfully, it has the aspect to shine through. But I think most important, importantly of all, when we're talking about prayer just in general, it's always a gift, right? So St. Paul says in Romans, <laughs> we do not know how to pray as we ought, but rather the Holy Spirit comes to our aid, right, and helps us to pray as we ought. So prayer is always a gift. It's always initiated by God, but it's always for our benefit. So for example, one of the, one of the uh, forms of prayer is thanksgiving. So do you all know at Mass, the, the preface, the Lord be with you, lift up your hearts, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. One of my most favorite prefaces goes something along the lines of, it is truly right and just to give you glory, Father most holy. For although you have no need of our praise, yet our thanksgiving to you is itself your gift to us, because our praises add nothing to your greatness, but profit us for eternal life. Right? Isn't that really profound? Right? Our thanksgiving to you is itself your gift to us, because it profits us for eternal life. So no matter what kind of prayer you're doing, it's always initiated by God, whether it's in the midst of <laughs> a terrible amount of difficulty and trouble, or if it's an incredible amount of joy that you have in your life, right, in thanksgiving and praise and adoration. It's always a gift from God, right? We see that multiple times in the gospel of Jesus provoking people to pray. Think of the woman at the well. Jesus says, if you knew the water that I was offering to you, you would ask for it. And literally in the next verse, she says, give me this water always, right? What Jesus does is provokes a thirst within her, right? Um, <laughs> on the flip side, sometimes God does allow um, difficult things to happen to us in our life. I think of Mark 4, right, where the disciples are on the boat in the middle of a storm, 
um, very clearly a provocation by God to say, hey, you need my help. <laughs> Lord, do you not care that we're perishing, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so, so it's, it's, always, it's always God's initiative at work within us. So, again, I want to keep this simple. Um, there's five forms of prayer. There's blessing, praise, thanksgiving, petition, and intercession, right? Um, so blessing and adoration is a gift for what, in, in return for what God has done. It's distinguished between praise in, in terms of who God is, right? So the difference between blessing is that what God has done, praise is who he is. Thanksgiving, pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> and then petition is whenever we're asking on behalf of ourselves, but intercession is when we're asking on behalf of another person. The last thing I'll say about prayer in general is that prayer always changes us. So again, be careful for what you pray for. My most favorite image of that is uh, Genesis 32, where Jacob is wrestling God. Right? Do you all remember that story? Where, uh, where all of a sudden there's some, uh, some, some figure at night, and they're wrestling, and, um, and Jacob won't let uh, this, this, this heavenly figure go. Right? And then so the heavenly figure says, what do you want? Right? And that's what God is asking each and every one of us. Um, and then so Jacob says, oh, I want your blessing. And, and then the, this heavenly figure says, okay, you have your blessing. And then he changes his name to Israel at that point. But do you all remember what, what happens just after that? Something about a hip socket? Okay, so what happens is, as they're wrestling um, towards the end, God um, hits his hip socket, and so now he has a limp the rest of his life. It's, it's somewhat of an off-putting image, but that's always what prayer does, right? It just goes to show that anytime we have an encounter with God, whether it's a simple, trite, or seemingly meaningless prayer, or whether it's something profound, we never walk away the same, right? And that's symbolized by that limp. <laughs> so again, be careful what you pray for. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to get like, right into intercession. Um, so what is it? Why is it? <laughs> Why is it important? Um, and then, like, how can we do it? Okay? So what is it? So I'm a big etymology fan. Um, and so when you look at the etymology of, of intercession, it comes from two Latin words, inter, sedere, which simply just means to go in between, to go in between, which I think is a pretty helpful definition of, of what it is. Um, but before we get into that, what is it not? <laughs> um, it's not a condescension. Right? So when somebody asks us to pray for another person or we see another person struggling, it, it's, it's not a, it's not a, a condescension. Um, what I'm reminded of is... Uh, <laughs> where is it? <laughs> okay, do you all remember where Jesus is going to a town? Uh, it's here in Luke. Um, oh, that's not right. Okay. Okay. Um, Oh, wait, that's a different us. Okay, so, so the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Do you all remember that one? Where the Pharisee's up in the front and then the tax collector's in the back. Um, the Pharisee's like, thank you, God, for not making me like this person over here. And da, 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 da. Right? So that's not intercessory prayer. That's incredibly condescending. Um, it actually reminds me of an experience that I had with my sister um, when we were younger and um, our mom was teaching us how to pray. Um, <laughs> she had this prayer. Uh, Lord, please make dumb Michael smarter. <laughs> And my mom goes, Christine. And then she says, okay, sorry, you're right. Um, please make less than smart Michael smarter. <laughs> right? Because sometimes it can come across like that. Like, oh, I'm so much better than this person. I'm so much in like, a better place. So let me, let me pray for them. Right? That might be true. 
but sometimes that can come across like incredibly um, con condescendingly. Um, also, um, I'm also reminded of, do you all remember that story where, uh, this is the one I was referring to just a second ago, um, where Jesus is going into different towns, but he keeps getting rejected. Um, so so um, John and James are like, Lord, can we call down fire upon this village and like burst it into smithereens? And Jesus is like, no, no, dang it, no. Um, right, sometimes we pray for the wrong thing too. Um, so I'll explain just a little bit more in terms of the how, but sometimes people will come up to you and say, hey, can you pray for me? Um, I'll get into it a little bit more later, but um, an, always an important question to ask, like, well, what do you want me to pray for? Because um, oftentimes we think we know what the right thing is, but um, yeah, sometimes we're wrong. More on that in this Sunday's Gospel. <laughs> okay, so again, what, what, is, what is intercession? So the, the image I like to use is Mark chapter 5, and this will be a familiar story to, to a lot of y'all. Here we go. Okay, so so uh, this is so the story of the woman with the hemorrhage, right? Is sort of like a sandwich in between this two. But Jesus had so this is from the Gospel of Mark, um, and Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side. A great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, and seeing him, fell at his feet and begged him, saying, "My little daughter is at the point of death." Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. When they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he saw a tumult, and people were weeping and wailing loudly. And he asked them, why do you make a tumult and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and walked, for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were overcome with amazement. Right, so there's tons of different scripture passages where, where somebody comes and approaches Jesus on behalf of another person. This is exactly what intercession is, right? Lord Jesus, please help out this person who I love a lot. Um, I get it a ton at the parish. Um, they're, they're, um, as I'm sure some of y'all can even relate to this, um, there are various family members who find themselves incredibly far away from the faith. There are family members who find themselves incredibly uh, difficult physical situations, sometimes mental situations, sometimes uh, like via substance abuse or something like that. There's a lot of craziness that can happen in people's families. And it's always incredibly, well, there's a lot of anxiety that families will go through, as I'm sure some of y'all can, can imagine, some of y'all have experienced. And so what does Jesus have to say about this? Can Jesus actually change the situation? What does it mean if nothing actually happens, right? So again, when we look at this idea of prayer, Jesus is provoking something within us. So first of all, if we see a need for somebody to be intercessed for, it's a sign that God is at work within us. Right? Whenever we see somebody who's burdened and we want to pray for them, again, in complete genuineness and authenticity, Jesus is already provoking our hearts to go and pray for them. And again, it's bringing two people together. 
So the, the, ne the next two examples I'm going to use is one is um, from, uh, from Luke 5, and that's the story of the, you remember those four guys who uh, put down the paralytic down through the thing? Um, so, 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 the, so what intercession does is changes both the person who's praying and the person for whom is being prayed. Um, but more importantly, uh, the one I'm going to use for the how is Matthew 15. It's a Canaanite woman who we had in the gospel a few weeks ago. She's the one to whom Jesus says, it's not right to take the food from the children and give it to the dogs, right? And so we'll, we'll delve a little bit more into that. Um, but prayer does have the possibility of change. Do you all, do you all know who uh, St. Augustine is? Okay, he, he's, he's a crazy person early on in his life. And his mom, who's his mom? St. Monica, yeah. Um, I think that's one of the more, most beautiful images that we have um, in, our, in our Catholic faith. Um, how, how many years was it that she was praying for him? I think it was like a decade or something like that, possibly even more. Um, yeah, talk about persistence. <laughs> I'm sure there were many times where she felt tempted or at least um, gave up hope but eventually came back. Um, but golly, it's so difficult, right, And when we see the burden of others. But that's also an invitation to pray for them. Yeah, bringing two people together, Jesus and this other person. Um, so it's a, it's a responsibility. Um, with great power comes great responsibility. Does that make, does, is that clear the what? Okay, real quickly. Um, I'm sure um, y'all <laughs> being here um, in Georgia. So I grew up overseas in, um, on a military base, and so surprisingly I didn't get in many uh, theological conversations with people, but when I first got here to Georgia, we have a lot of people who are uh, non-Catholic uh, Christians, um, particularly from the South, and so they'll say things like, oh, Catholics are Christians? <laughs> so I'm sure y'all get just a ton of uh, different stuff um, around here. But one of the, the big questions that they have is, what's the deal with the saints? Right, what's the deal with the saints? Um, to kind of make a, well, to keep a short story short, um, what we want to say is that God is not a God of the dead, but God of the living, right? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, and so what we know is that there are people who have given their life to God and who God has saved. And so there are these people in heaven that we ask for their help in terms of praying, right? Much like any one of us would ask anyone, uh, any other person here to pray for them, Right? So I find it's best in conversations with them to, to keep it as simple as possible, right? But then you start getting the nitty-gritty nuances of like, well, do they, are they omnipotent now being in heaven, knowing, you know, or, um, yeah, no, omniscient um, in heaven, knowing of everybody on earth's prayers? It's like, of course, you know, God, God would certainly allow them to share in that ministry still, right? Let's keep it as simple as possible with that. Um, and again, it's, it's also true with our mother. Um, we can... In, 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 in a way, say we pray to her, but it's probably best to say we ask for her prayers, right? <laughs> so to keep it simple for that. Um, I'll get more into to, to how we intercess for each other um, in the Mass, but is that, is that clear what intercession is? Okay. Why should we do it? Especially for our, for our, uh, for our enemies, right? Um, these people who have hurt us. I don't know about y'all, but I find that incredibly, I find those people who have really broken my heart incredibly difficult to pray for, right? So whether we're talking about them or talking about people we love the most and everyone in between, right? Why pray for them? So again, to, to go back to that passage of Jesus healing a paralytic, um, yeah, y'all know the story, right? They were bringing the bed on a man who was paralyzed. They sought to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but they couldn't find a way in. So they <laughs> went up on the roof and let down the bed through the, the tiles in the midst before Jesus. And when, they, and when he saw their faith, right, not, not just the man who was paralyzed, when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. 
And then the scribes get all indignant about that, and then Jesus says, which is easier to, that your sins are forgiven, or rise and take your mat, but you, that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, rise, take, take up your bed, and go home. And immediately he did it, right? What's curious about this passage is that their faith ends up helping him. <laughs> it's kind of a funny image, but I don't know if you can just imagine like this roof all of a sudden coming up and some like paralyzed guy you know, coming down and be like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, it's kind of a funny image, but there's something really wonderful about that reality. Right? It's their faith, um, probably all of them, including the paralytic, um, that, that, that allows him to be healed. So why do it, especially in the midst of sometimes very difficult uh, situations, very difficult people to pray for? Well, because it'll change your heart. And in a very real way, you will make an impact on the people for whom you pray. One of the toughest things about prayer, and I'm sure you all can relate to this as well, is not getting an immediate answer. Not getting an immediate answer. Because sometimes even a no is a lot more helpful than a maybe, <laughs> right? Or a TBD, right? To be determined. Um, so there's a certain hope that Jesus is inviting us to in terms of, of, of praying for others, even whether it's ourselves or um, even if you feel like you're praising God, but he's not necessarily hearing. Um, there's an incredible amount of hope that, that God is inviting us to in it. So we do have an impact. We can make an impact on others. We can also make an impact on ourselves as well. Right? There's something softening about one's heart whenever we start to pray for another person. I don't know if you all have felt that, but... Um, Oh, just to make a really long story short, um, like my dad and I, we didn't exactly get along when I was growing up um, in, in elementary school and high school. Um, and there was a lot of bitterness and resentment in my heart um, that I didn't necessarily know was there. When I started praying for him, as difficult as that was to even begin, what I also came to recognize too is also incredibly difficult to sustain. Because when I was praying for him, I came to recognize all the different things, you know, for better, for worse, um, of, of, the way, of the way he raised me. But what I also noticed, too, is I became more human in the process, right? Because there was a lot of forgiveness, a lot of just that bitterness, anger, resentment, a lot of those walls that I held up. Um, yeah, I just felt a lot of that leave. Um, again, it's not easy. It's not easy. But it, it will change your heart, praying for another person. Okay. How? How do we actually pray for another person? <laughs> Um, so, so I absolutely love this story, and it's, it's incredibly off-putting, um, but I, I love it for its brashness. I'm sure you all remember a few weeks ago the Canaanite woman, right? I'll just read that real quick. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and cried, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter, so again, intercession, right? She's praying on behalf of another person, is severely possessed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begging him, begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out to us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. It's incredibly off-putting, right? <laughs> I don't know if you can imagine Jesus saying that to you. It's like, dude, what the heck? Um, this is in contradistinction to the rich young man, right? The guy who's like, oh, what commandments do I have to keep? And then um, how do I become perfect? And Jesus says, go sell everything you have and give that to the poor. But the man went away sad because he had many possessions. 
So what Jesus does, in a very real way, he challenges us whenever we pray. So how do we pray? Especially when it comes to intercession, right? Intercessing on behalf of someone who might look incredibly, uh, who might look incredibly hopeless. The Catechism says boldness, but surrender, right? So it's a tension that we have. Um, the, the Catechism uses a really wonderful phrase called filial boldness. Do any of y'all have younger siblings, or maybe remember back when you were a kid? You didn't, you didn't qualify it. You just asked for things. I want this entire pint of ice cream, <laughs> right? And it's like, okay, that's really bold, but you, you, you can't eat that. Um, or maybe your parents did and whatever. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's a certain boldness that kids have, right? They'll just ask for anything. Um, and that's exactly what God wants with every single one of us. Intention, though, with what do we pray in the Our Father? Thy will be done, Right? I think probably, of course, we look to Jesus, who is the best intercessor. Um, Hebrews um, says uh, he literally lives to make intercession for us. He's able to save all those who draw near to God through him. The Garden of Gethsemane is an exact um, image of this. Uh, well, for him it's petition, but it's, it's, it serves as a beautiful image of prayer. Right? I want this chalice so bad to pass away from me. But not my will be done, your will be done. Right? So there's a boldness that he has, but there's also surrender. So I don't know how you reconcile the two, <laughs> but you have to hold them in tension. Does that make sense? Right? So how do we pray? Boldly and surrenderingly. <laughs> so when we start, then we have to start getting into like super nitty gritty, right? So, so intercession, right? So, so the Mass is the perfect prayer, right? So all those five forms we talked about. Are, are, are present in the Mass, right? But especially intercession, right? We see that most during the universal prayer. Um, the, the Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer, right? But the Eucharist in and of itself is this intercession, right? Because when we receive the body of Christ, we become more like the body of Christ, right? We are initiated, grafted, become more um, in union with, however you want to phrase that, right, with the body of Christ, so in a very real way, there's a solidarity between all human beings um, by the body of Christ, um, drawing us all into to communion with each other. But has anyone asked you all to, and so, so moving to, to like maybe a little bit more like real life examples, I'm sure you all have friends who have said, hey, can you pray for me? You know, I have a test coming up um, or I'm just kind of struggling through something. You don't have to raise your hand, but do I feel comfortable enough to be able to pray with them right then and there? Right? Do I feel comfortable enough? So I don't know about y'all, but my Catholic journey uh, <laughs> in high school, whatever, um, I won't get into that. But um, I, so regardless of where I was, um, I didn't learn much about like how to intercede for somebody except for like in my own personal prayer. So like when someone would come up to me um, in college as I was getting um, to, to more into my faith, um, I. I, I I didn't know what to do when someone came, or the only thing I knew about how to do when someone came up to me saying, hey, can you pray for me, is I would just go back home later and pray for them, right? I remember in seminary, I, was, I kept doing the exact same thing whenever I'd go to the parish um, on the weekends. Um, and, was, and so if somebody came up to me and said, hey, can you pray for me? Um, I said, yeah, sure, what do you want me to pray for you about? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll be sure to keep you in my prayers. And she said, no, right now. <laughs> Talk about putting somebody on the spot, right? Um, it was incredibly awkward, at least, at least uh, from, from my perspective. Um, I fumbled over a bunch of words. I didn't really know how to pray. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot her name. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, it was just incredibly, it was an incredibly awkward experience. 
But she was so grateful. She was so grateful for it. Um, so my guess is that actually happens a lot. That say, hey, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? So my invitation for you all, right, in the face of this, this really beautiful prayer that God gives you, right, the, the prayer of intercession, I want you to pray with, with a person next time they ask you. It, it's very simple, right? I'm, I'm, I'm all about keeping things simple. Um, hey, what's your name? If you already know their name, you don't have to ask that, obviously. Um, but yeah, ask them, well, yeah, what for? What for? Um, people ask me this all the time at the parish, and like right then after Mass, like I'll, I'll pray over them. Um, and and there's, people are so incredibly grateful for it. Um, yeah, keep it simple, right? Just simply pray for what they're asking, right? Hey, it's my birthday. Lord, thank you for the gift of life, right? Thank you so much for blessing this person. Um, give them so many great gifts today and, you know, this, this year that they're, that they're in, right? Um, hey, um, I feel really anxious about a test. Can you pray for me? He's like, all right, let's pray right now. Lord, give, you know, so-and-so person uh, the, the confidence and the peace that they need to, to know that, they're, that you're going to be with them through this test, right? Like most good things in life, it takes practice. <laughs> it just takes practice. Um, it'll sound incredibly awkward um, at first, but um, again, just us Catholics, my guess is, um, just probably aren't used to, to that kind of prayer. Um, but it's so incredibly important because it has the power to literally in that moment to bring Jesus to them and them to Jesus. Right? That, that's all of y'all's call as Catholics, as Christians, right? as intercessors. Um, it's one of the prayers that, that God gives to you. Any questions? before I close here? Because I, th I think... Good on time? Okay. Okay. So again, um, yeah, the Lord has invited you, each and every one of you to be his disciples. He's asking you to follow him. Um, I think, I think um, the, the Our Father... And I wonder what was going on in the disciples' heart when they saw Jesus pray. Because in Luke's version of the Our Father, it says that when Jesus had finished praying, his disciples asked him, or his disciples asked, asked him, teach us how to pray. Right? So I bet they saw Jesus and just kind of praying, and they're like, oh, I want what that guy has. Right? There's something just beautiful about the intimacy between Jesus and his Father. And it awakes, it provokes something within their heart to say, I want that, right? I want that kind of prayer. So Jesus, teach me how to pray. Um, so that's an invitation for us all, um, whether it's praise, whether it's adoration, whether it's thanksgiving, petition, intercession. Lord, teach me how to pray. And there's a lot of really wonderful passages, again, where, where Jesus does teach us what it means to intercess for, for someone. But this is by far my most favorite. And so I'll close with this. This is, this is one that I opened with. Um, it's John 17, verse 6. Jesus says, I have revealed your name to those whom you gave me out of the world. They are yours, and you gave them to me. There's something really beautiful going on here. Um, the Father has created each and every one of us by name, right? It's, it's a classic distinction that maybe some of you all have heard, maybe not. Um, your parents wanted a child. God wanted you right? Something really beautiful about that, right? So, so God, in a very real way, says your name and speaks you into existence. And furthermore, he also says your name to Jesus, his son. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, that's a really good person. Yeah, that's a really good person, right? And so Jesus has your name ruminating within his mind and within his heart. And he says, yeah, that person is worth dying for and rising from the dead for. 
And so Jesus says your name back to the Father. And so your name, you, are going in between the Father and the Son. How? By the Holy Spirit. Right? So you are in the Trinity. You are in the Trinity. And you have the blessing to bring other people into it. So, next time someone asks you to pray, consider it. Right? Right then and there. Keep it simple. Practice. And you'll do fine. Let's close in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I have revealed your name to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So, loving Father, thank you for our existence. I ask in a special way your blessing upon all those gathered here, upon all those joining us uh, via the power of the internet and the Holy Spirit on, on live stream. I ask for your blessing upon them. As they come to hear their names, being spoken by you to your Son and to your Holy Spirit. And I say they may come to be convinced and convicted that by the mere fact they exist, they are a blessing and a gift to the world. And I ask that being convicted in that, they may go and set this world on fire. Loving Father, you see, the, you see how much this world needs your Son, Jesus. And so I ask that each and every one of these people gathered here would be your hands, your feet, your eyes, your heart, your body here in the world, doing your work, praying for those who need it especially. So I ask that you bless them, bless their family, bless their schoolwork, bless their jobs, bless any type of joy, hope, excitement that they have in their life, as well as any difficulty. May all things draw them closer to your heart, which loves each and every one of us from all eternity. In your name we pray, amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. It is so good to be back here at Georgia. Um, it's, it's a short trip, unfortunately, but um, yeah, I was just driving, um, what, what do they call it? The loop, right? Um, 10 or whatever. Um, yeah, and then uh, Father Brian and we got dinner uh, beforehand. Yeah, just walking back downtown um, Athens. It's, it's, it's so good to be back. Um, no my prayers for you all. Um, and keep me in your prayers, right? So much like the college setting, the parish setting also looks very strange and abnormal. Um, yeah, and pray for our teens. So I'm really involved with the teen ministry there. Um, <laughs> because our, a lot of our teens are, are, are spending um, a lot of time uh, on the computer um, for their schoolwork, um, a lot of them are reluctant to spend even more time um, coming to our virtual um, sessions. So keep, our te- keep uh, those teens in your prayers. Um, keep me in your prayers. Thank you. <laughs> and again, thank you for Father Fred, Father Brian, for Luke, uh, for Pippa, Pippo and uh, Sarah for, for having me. Y'all are wonderful. Thank you. <laughs>